You're listening to the QPEM Podcast. To listen to our previous Sunday worship services, please visit our website at www.qpem.org. That's qpem.org. This week's message was given by Pastor Peter Kim. We're here together. It's great to see again old faces coming back. And hopefully, uh, man, we pray. I can't wait until everything's going to be open up again. And we're going to be able to reconnect and catch up. But until then, I'm praying that these messages are speaking to your hearts, especially as how uh, the past few weeks we've been relating the gospel to our work and our vocation. I know it's speaking to some of you members. Our work right now is getting very challenging. And oh, man, our Monday through Friday is exhausting. And we're looking forward just to just collapsing on Saturday and then Sunday, our day of rest. But hopefully from last week and understanding the connection, right, from Monday through Friday to Sunday for the Christian life is that key connection, connecting now the Sunday back to Monday and all throughout the week. That is the Christian life that Christ has died for on that cross for you and I. And we're coming back here today as brothers and sisters on the Lord's Day, on the Sabbath, to celebrate what Christ has done on the cross, amen? This is the Lord's day, to remember that Christ is our Sabbath rest. If you're feeling exhausted, again, Jesus welcomes you here to find rest. He is our true rest. This is the place where work has become rest at the cross. Remembering the gospel story, right? It begins in creation, and God created you and I for work. It was good before the fall. Work was meant to be very good, but then the fall, the sad twist in that story, it changed that. Our work is no longer this beautiful, wonderful, empowering thing. Now it is not all that it could or should be. It's a story here. The gospel story continues of redemption. From the moment of the fall, God sends his son, Jesus Christ, to do a work that you and I could never do or never, ever try to make up for our wrong. On that cross, Jesus dies for our sins. He himself, the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. And so on this Lord's day, on the Sabbath, the Christian Sabbath, on Sunday, we celebrate Christ's resurrection. It's not just Easter Sunday. Every Lord's Day is Resurrection Sunday. We have victory in the cross. And I hope that you find victory today. Be reminded that God here is with you. He is your provision. That Christ has victory over death, over Satan, over the grave. And that victory gives you life and salvation, meaning and purpose while you're here and what you do from not just today, but Monday through Friday as well. I mean, this is an extended weekend, right? Columbus Day weekend, beautiful weather. I mean, I was just talking yesterday, man. This was supposed to be our annual fall retreat, right? Pens fall retreat. This is the highlight of our, our annual calendar, ministry calendar. And wow, we miss out on such that. But I, I hope that we can uh, continue to have the community in different ways. And, and Lord willing, God will allow us to have a retreat. Maybe, who knows, maybe when this pandemic ends, maybe we'll do it even sooner and get back together again. But we're, you know, we're reminded here of the gospel story. This is a story that we're here to celebrate we're here today because God's inviting us to learn and remember this story that Jesus invites you to be a part of as his disciples. This story shapes in how you view your life, how you live your, 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 your world, how you see the world, how you view others, and how even you approach your work. And to each of us, we have this gospel story that God invites us to, right? 
Normally, we save the gospel towards the end of the message as a kind of buildup, but I'm just starting right at the beginning, reminding us of the gospel, the good news. And that's the story that you and I, prayerfully in God's plan, are part of. But there's another story, right? An older story where we, we were put in this world before the gospel came and spoke and, and pierced our hearts. There's a story that has shaped us and how we were raised up, perhaps you and I, uh, by our parents or our environment and society, how, what we were taught in life, the experiences that we've had, whether good or bad, it's all shaped and made us who we are today. And it's affected everything in how we approach our relationships, how we view others, and our approach to life. Um, that story for sure impacts the way we live and how we approach work today as well. The question is, which story are we living in today? Which is a story that we are living and working under today in your life? What's the primary story that you're part of? You know? There's a gospel story that God's invited us. There's that previous story before the gospel in our life. What's the story in which we are part of, which we're living in? Perhaps some of us are still thinking about our lives you know, from the old story, right? The older viewpoint, the wrong viewpoint perhaps. And we're still stuck in that old story of ours. And because of that, our life and our work, perhaps we're not experiencing this, the grace, the, the hope, the rest that Jesus is clearly talking about in scripture, right? If you feel that way, if you're sensing that, you're not alone. You know, There's a letter in the New Testament that was written to a Christian as well, a, a faithful Christian who is viewing his life and work through not the gospel story, but through a wrong story. And today, I'd like to look at this story here about this relationship between a master and his slave, a master Philemon and his slave Onesimus. You know, as we look into their story, I, I want to see just how important the story that we're living in, how it affects and impacts everything that we do in our lives, and in the context of this sermon series, how it affects our vocation and our work. So let's learn. Let's go back to this first century story. It's a real life story. What's really happened, this man, Philemon, a master, and his slave, Onesimus. Let's see how this story can teach us about your life and mine in this 21st century that we're living in today. Turn with me again to Paul's letter. It's a, his epistle to Philemon, the context here. If you read this before, it's a one-pager in the Bible, right? There's no chapters in this letter. It's just one uh, letter to Philemon. The context we know, it's of slavery. Uh, I know this letter has been subject of much debate because of that. Many people who read the Bible and they come to this passage are like, this is very troubling. What's going on here? You know, well, how slavery, you know, part of the, in, in the Bible and such. And, and, and slavery, we know it's a reminder of the curse, right? The fall, the effect of the fall. It's a sinful world that we're living in. And especially hits home for Americans, especially in our past, our nation's history. It's a dark, deep stain in our, uh, in our nation's history, and we can see that it's still having deep, deep wounds, right, continuing in the present today. We're seeing that, right, the effects of that even today. Well, in, in, in Paul's letter to Philemon, he, he doesn't strongly rebuke slavery. Why is that? You ever wonder that? You know, why, why doesn't Paul just completely rebuke and renounce the, this institution of slavery? Probably, most likely, because slavery is not the same uh, institution as we know it today as it was back then. 
You know, Paul's speaking against slavery in actually more subtle ways here, okay? Paul's approach to Philemon, the slave master, if you want to say, his approach is to remind Philemon there's a new story that you've entered, a new story that, that ought to be shaping your life as a, if you want to say, a slave a, a master. Paul is saying to Philemon, he's challenging the way he sees slavery as overall and, and how he treats others as slaves. And so in this letter, Paul is appealing to Philemon for his former slave, Onesimus. And if you look with me in verse 10 here, he says, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Paul is very old now, writing this letter. And he's appealing to Philemon to return Onesimus back to him. We know that in Paul's ministry, Onesimus is being part of that. Onesimus came to know Jesus, and he became a Christian under Paul's ministry here. But the context uh, formerly of, of Philemon and Onesimus' relationship, we don't really know too much of that. We can infer in Rome, um, it, it was something, the relationship between master and slave, it's, um, it, again, it's something very different than the, the, the chattel slavery that, as we know it today. Um, this relationship uh, was seen as something very acceptable in society in Rome, right? The idea that one human is indentured to another, it actually was accepted as completely normal in that uh, time. But we can assume that uh, from this letter, uh, the relationship that uh, Philemon and Onesimus had was not very good at all, right? That relationship was not healthy. At some point, because of that, we don't know why, but Onesimus less left Philemon. You know? Some of the scholars or commentaries say perhaps maybe he stole money from his master or just fled to Rome. Perhaps he was given to Paul for a time. We don't know the details. But we do know that under Paul, not under Philemon, Onesimus became a Christian. So now Paul is writing this letter to Philemon, a fellow brother in Christ, to return Onesimus back to him. What will Paul say? to Philemon, <laughs> regards to his former slave, Onesimus, who abandoned, fled, perhaps even wronged his former master. Look with me in verse 11 here. He says, how he describes Onesimus, he says, formerly, he was useless to you. I know that. Formerly, this slave was useless to you. I mean, if you think about the whole essence of what a slave is, the slave is meant to be useful, right, to his master. This is actually a play on words here that Paul's saying. The word actually Onesimus in Greek, the, actually his name Onesimus in Greek means useful, okay? It means useful. But Paul refers to Onesimus here as now, before he was useless to you, Philemon. To me, though, as my servant, he says, Paul, Onesimus has become anything but useless. Rather, not only is he very useful to me, he is also indeed useful to you, Philemon. And look what Paul says in verse 12. It's astounding how he describes Onesimus here. I'm sending him back to you. How? Sending my very hearts. Philemon, before Onesimus was useless, I acknowledge that. 
Perhaps he even wronged you. But to me, he's my child. He is useful to me and you. Not only that, he is my very heart. Think about that. Paul is rhetorically even asking Philemon, would you take my very heart as a slave? Would you take him back? My very heart. If you think of Philemon in his perspective, as a slave, this Onesimus was useless to me. He's one of those workers, you know, I don't know if some of you are employers or if you're in a position of authority or a boss or supervisor or CEO or whatnot. You know, you have a worker who's useless. Those are like the worst workers you want, right, in this society today, you know. Those are the ones that you despair, you know. You want to weed out those workers, right. You don't want useless workers working for you. But something's happened to Onesimus. Under the care of Paul, once he meets a Christian that allows him to see the gospel in a light, shining light of Christ in all of his life, Onesimus, his life is starting to change. His eyes have become opened. Onesimus is born again. He's a new believer. He's changed. His attitude to work in what he's to do in his life has changed. Onesimus is no longer useless. Paul says he's useful, Onesimus. Now he is useful, and I know he will be useful to you too. His approach, his aspect, his, his whole entire view of, of, of work and his life now is completely 180. He is useful now. Not only useful in, but in his service to Paul, he has become crucial to the mission of the church, right? to the building of the body of the Christ and furthering God's kingdom, right? Paul's saying to Philemon, I want you to look at your former slave in a different story, through a different lens. You know? I know in the Roman you know, society, the way the, the indentured servants worked, this bond servant, if you want to say, the human beings, but they're noted as property. And in that sense, the property is yours and, and there's classes and, and, and you know, your value is determined by what class you're in. And the word bondservant even, I mean, it, it literally uh, is, is the sense of a slave here that, that owes work, that, that is dude work to the master. But he's saying, look at now through the gospel lens, remember? Remember Genesis 1 and 2? how God has created all of humanity in his very image. Remember that, Philemon? That all human beings are made in the image of God. All of us have potential to flourish, to do great work that he called us to, to serve him. How God has gifted all humanity. Can you see him that way, Philemon? Can you see him in a different way? than just a slave or a worker that perhaps didn't do much great work for you. you know? Paul says, there's a new story. Philemon, I know, I know you, okay? <laughs> I know you. You know, if, if you look again at, at scripture, he's, he's appealing to him. He's like, Philemon, our beloved fellow worker in verse one, you know? I thank God, he's saying in verse four, when I remember you, why? Because of your love and your faith in verse five that you have towards the Lord Jesus Christ. I know you, I know you know Jesus. I know your faith is real. 
I know the gospel has entered your life, so now see Onesimus in the gospel light, in the gospel story. No longer as master, servant. No longer as employer, employee. Can you see him as a brother in Christ? A child of God. My very heart. You know, whatever context you're in, uh, in your workplace, think of your boss. Who's your boss, right? How do you view him? What are some of the thoughts you have of your supervisor or boss? I don't know. For the most part, I, I would say, you know, uh, if you ask someone, uh, how's your boss or what do you think of your boss? Ah, I don't know, just strict or mean, demanding, overbearing, or, you know, we don't really have much of a relationship, right? Why not? Well, he's the boss. He's in that, you know, corner office. You know, I'm just in my cubicle. You know, I don't rarely talk to him or want to even for that matter. It's not, that, it's not really any different actually at church, if you think about it, you know? I guess you're going to say my, uh, I guess, uh, supervisor, if I do have one, uh, you know, our senior pastor uh, of the church, Reverend Kim, right? What's interesting is, you know, we have a, one of the blessings, uh, and, you know, Pastor Richard, you know, he knows about this. You know, when he came to our church, he said that one thing that like it was amazing to him. We have a staff lunch every day. Okay, there's a chef apparently that the, the church had, and, and they're you know hiring the chef to cook a lunch for the staff. And it's such a blessing that we don't have to worry about that. And it's a healthy lunch, and it's a delicious. P. Rich. I mean, I'm so, he's like, you know, if you told me, Pastor Peter, about uh, this, this lunch every day, you know, forget that. That's all I needed to hear in the interview. I, I'd sign up, he said. I'd sign the contract right there if he knew that, right? It was that good. But when we go downstairs for this lunch, you know, with the social distancing, we have like four, you know, people per little table, and it's all spread out in the cafeteria. And, and we have, you know, that table where Reverend Kim sits, right? Guess who sits next to him? Nobody, okay, nobody, okay, nobody, no pastor, no, you know, Puma associate pastor, or, you know, they don't want to sit next to him. Why? What's going on, you know? It's always his wife, you know, how many she has to sit next to him, they just eat kind of together, but, but the days there, she's not here, guess who has to sit next to him? Me, okay, <laughs> me, I do, okay? I'm the de facto, you know, you know, pastor that has to sit, so I sit next to him, you know, when are we, we talking, you know, at first it's like, oh, you know, senior pastor, but, but you know, we have this perception, right, of this just, like, you know, boss, employee relationship, and this, like, you know, distance. One, a few years ago, Reverend Kim, he, he and after a long season, we we're, we're working hard, and it was a very, you know, challenging, tiresome season. He said, I want to, you know, take the staff out for this time of fellowship, and, and you know where he decided to take us out? I, this might not have been shared ever on the KM side, so keep it between us, right? He took us to King Sauna, okay? You know King Sauna? It's a, it's a spa, okay? It's a sauna in New Jersey, right? The sauna where you go and, you know, you, you know, take every, you know, you're naked, okay? Men, obviously, with men, women with women. So we went to separate ways, but I remember we were going to this uh, sauna as a staff together, and the, 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 the pastors and the female, they were, like, nervous, right? We're going to a sauna with our senior pastor. How awkward is that? I remember as we were about to go into the building and the, the sauna, um, I saw the other, you know, Korean associate pastors, and, you know, they should naturally follow the senior pastor. They're just kind of in the back, you know, just waiting to see what happens. And, and he already walked in the building, right? And so as, I'm like, let's go, guys, you know, let's go. They said, hey, there's a coffee shop right here, right outside of King Sauna. We're going to just get some coffee first, they said, okay? So literally, I'm not telling, the whole staff just goes to the coffee shop, okay? They're going to the coffee shop and drinking and the senior pastor's already gone in. I'm like, someone's got to go with him. He can't just go inside by himself. So guess who's the guy that had to go with him? Me, of course. Okay, me, right? So I go in with him, just me and the senior pastor. We go into the locker now, you know, 
you know, we undress, and here we are going to the hot, hot tub, and we sit down, and we're just there, right? Just kind of you know, keeping to ourselves, and it's very, very awkward at first. But what do we do? After that time, we talk. What else is there to do in a sauna, right? We talk, and we get to just relax. And I see him in a different way. He's not this boss, this, like, you know, person that's, you know, untouchable and, you know, you know so holy that, you know, we can't approach ever. He's just a brother in Christ, just like you and me. And we had to, we got a chance to connect and, and just you know, really be laid back. And ever since then, you know, I see him as a brother in Christ. You know, something's changed, you know? Something changes that relationship, right? On a side note, you know, that's what I do with my discipleship group every year. When I do lead discipleship, one of the key things that we do, we go to a sauna, okay? Pastor Rich, he's in my discipleship group starting next week. We're going to go to a sauna. I just want to let you know that, okay? <laughs> just to give you a heads up. It's going to be good times. Why? Because, you know, we go and we talk. We share a lot. This little, you know, thing about boss. We break that. And that's, in a way, how the gospel works, right? The gospel changes how our society teaches us of how you ought to see your employer down there. I'm the employee, the boss up here. There's this gap. You know, you're lower than me. I'm up here. I'm more important, valuable. It changes all of that. The gospel story changes the way we see one another. And Paul's saying to Philemon, can you see Onesimus as a brother in Christ now? He's come to know Jesus just like you and me. Can you welcome your former slave back? Verse 16, no longer as a bond servant, but more than a bond servant, as a beloved brother. Especially to me, how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. As a brother who has a potential that God has given to him to serve him well. Philemon, I'm telling you, Onesimus, he's no longer a useless, you know, worker who's just no use to you. He's very useful. I call in my very hearts. Church, the gospel changes the way we see others. Whether you're an employee and working for a boss or you're an employer with many employees, it changes the way you see them. The image of God and as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, right? The gospel doesn't only just change the way we see others, though. If the gospel story is in your life and you're living in that gospel story, it also, again, in this context here, it changes the way we see our work, how we do work. It shapes our work, whether as a worker or as an employer, right? So far, you know, I guess in the sermon series that I've done, I think this is a sermon, I think it might be five now in this series. Yeah, I've, I focus on kind of like how the gospel shapes you as a worker, right? As an employee, as one who, who has a, a vocation and you're working. But here now, we're also seeing the light of how the gospel shapes employers of those who are positions of authority and, and oversight and management of their workers. Again, some of you perhaps are in that position, okay? Philemon is an overseer. He oversees slaves okay, to do work. But the gospel changes what that means. Okay. You know, before in the world, overseers and masters, you know, they view their workforce, what? Just as, as, as workers. You know, you just, you're, I'm paying you to do work. Why? For what means to enrich themselves, right? It's simply for themselves to enrich their livelihood, to make it, you know, life better for the master and easier for the master to earn them money. Here, Paul's introducing a completely different perspective. 
It's reminding Philemon, the gospel in the body of Christ, it, 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 it brings us together. There's an organic uh, uh, aspect here that we are all part of each other here as a body of Christ. Our gifts, resources, energies are deployed for not one's glory, the man, master's glory. It's for the glory of Jesus, the one and only true Lord, right? So he's urging Philemon, can you regard Onesimus as that brother in the same family of God? in the same body of Christ rather than just as a resource, right, to be used for your own enrichment or your own edification and whatnot. Paul's showing Philemon in the gospel story that your role as an overseer is not only for your own enrichment flourishing, for your benefit. You're put in a position here of influence. Why? God has put you there in a position so that you can help flourish others in their lives. You see me? If God has placed you in a position of oversight of others, it's not just to, you know, take advantage of them and work them and and just, you know, just just really just benefit from their hard work for you. It's now to also give a responsibility to make sure that they also are flourishing in their own lives, This contradicts entirely this whole institution, this concept of slavery in the Roman culture, right? Philemon is not just a household manager to only increase his own wealth or management property. He's now a steward of what God has given to him with this responsibility to see all those flourishing under his care. Philemon has a choice every day as an overseer or as a master. You can either enhance lives of those under you or you can actually make them miserable, right? You can ruin lives, right? You can just cause very hardship. And anyone in authority or oversight has that, I guess, decision or choice every day. You can either bring about, you know, just health, growth, and peace and prosperity, well-being in those under care, or you can bring misery, right? even more suffering into their life. He calls upon Philemon to remember what has happened in his life, right? Who has spoken in his life, who his master is and what he's done. Remember Philemon, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. And he gave his life as a ransom for many. Remember that, Philemon. Jesus Christ, our, our Lord, our master, he himself did not come to be served as he ought to be. We're just saying he's our king. He ought to be served, yes. But he came not to be served, but in fact, he came to serve. In fact, he did so in serving to his death and giving his life as a ransom for you and I, right? Jesus' work was to die so that you and I, we can receive this life, this everlasting life. Jesus is calling us, commanding us even, to do the same, especially for those who are in authority over others. You know, if you are in that position, think about what that looks like practically, right? How can you... Care for those under your your oversight to allow them to flourish. And I thought about it in my context here at church. 
as a pastor, obviously, um, you know, thank God that, you know, God has blessed us. And as QPEN, we are now uh, a year and uh, almost, what, two years in financial autonomy here. And through your faithful, uh, you know, generous giving that all the QPEN members have done, we are able to, uh, you know, really uh, do ministry and utilize the, the funds and the budget for God's kingdom work. And, and, and this responsibility has now been entrusted to the four QPEN elders and I, right? And we don't take that lightly. And we see now the funds. We are now responsible for the oversight of, of, of the finances. And a part of that is also to oversee and care for our staff. Right? Our staff right now, Pastor Richard, EM assistant. But not just Pastor Richard. Our other English pastors in the church, Pastor Nate, our education department pastor, right? overseeing the education department. He's also under the budget of QPEM, I don't know if you knew that, right? We're supporting him. By the way, he's getting married next week. <laughs> so I uh, congratulate him next Saturday, he's getting married. And, 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 and for that as well, we're gonna get to that. But, and then Pastor Austin even, he's been serving us you know, just every week leading worship. How awesome has that been? How blessed are we? Even though he's an elementary school you know, pastor under the, the, I guess the education department, you know, we're blessed and we were able to you know, just recently now support uh, some of his seminary uh, you know, tuition costs as well. And we prayed about this. We're like, how can we you know, allow our staff to be in, in a place where at least it could be more healthy? They don't have to worry uh, so much about you know, working two jobs outside of church and they can focus on ministry, do God's work. You know, the elders have been very gracious in caring for me and my family as well, right? We have a responsibility for that, you know? And Pastor Nate's gonna get married next week. Hey, you know what? We wanna give you a, a, a little bump in your salary to, to, to accommodate that as well. You know, there's ways that practically this can be done, that we can have a work environment that is healthy, that is fun, you know? And that's what we're striving for as well here. When the gospel changes the way we see work, for employers and overseers, it gives a new lens and how we're to see the flourishing of those who are working under our care as well. Onesimus has come under the care of Paul for this season. He's been transformed. He's seen Jesus. And now he's returning Onesimus back to Philemon. You gotta ask yourself, why did Onesimus Transform. How did he transform under Paul, under his leadership and care, but not under Philemon? You gotta ask yourself that question here. Onesimus, his life has been transformed under Paul, under the gospel story. Why was he not transformed under Philemon's oversight? There's two different stories here, church. I hope you're seeing me now, okay? I hope you're seeing kind of where we're going here, okay? The gospel is challenging the former stories that we're, you know, a part of, you know? Employers and employees, it's cha challenging that, you know? How we see each other and, and, and the story, how it affects, it, you know, all of it, not just employees, but today in the context also employers. You know, again, this gospel shared work, I'm getting a lot of insight from here. Pastor Tom Nelson, there's this one section here. It shows how the cultures here, it, sh it sh changes, it transforms when the gospel story is put into your life, especially in regards to work. Let me read some of these examples here. In the old story, in the former story, you know, before the gospel, without the gospel, 
Our value, our worth is closely tied to our employment, right? Our work, our highest value given to those with high profile and high paying jobs and the lowest value given to those doing dirty manual labor and those who are unemployed. How, how true is that? We look at those unemployed, dirty jobs. Hey, you know, I don't want you know, them you know, in my house or whatnot. They're, they're, they're lower. The gospel, what it does It changes that. It says our identity is not in our work or what we do. It is in Jesus Christ, church. Our identity, our worth is in Christ, not in whatever job we do or don't have. Do you see? Do you see each other's worth, identity in Jesus? The old culture, the old story says going out to work, it's more valuable than staying at home bringing up children, you know, you know, some of you, you know, dads or even moms, you know, you're staying, raising kids, well, just go and work, work, you can get a babysitter or caretaker. We learned, right, before that the, one of the first commands in the work that God gave to us, remember what it was? Be fruitful, multiply, remember? God values the caring, the bringing up of children. The flourishing of others includes raising our children, staying at home even, to look after those who are uh, even elderly or unwell. There's great value there, eternal value, right? Some of us, you know, I know New York, we have, uh, we're driven by our careers or jobs and we, we have this mindset, the culture and the old story says work is more important than church or family or leisure. Work is your life, it, it has to be, or maybe for the flip side, Maybe some other you know, people had this complete other opposite that work is less important you know, than my church and you know, work is just work again and, and what I want to do for fun and leisure and family, that's what's important. The gospel changes that as well. Remember what the gospel does, it shapes all of our life. It tells us and reminds us every part of our life is affected by the gospel. <laughs> work is not more important or less important than other parts of our life. Everything that we do in service to God is important and everything ought to bring honor to his name, you see. Some of us say, you know, I need to earn as much as possible now, you know. Remember the rich man, you know, storing up the possessions in the barn there so that, you know, one day I can enjoy the good life when I retire the gospel reminds us we have something greater to look forward to than our retirement. We have something far more amazing than just a retirement for 10, 15, 20 years on this earth. We can look forward to being with God and his son Jesus in a renewed, restored creation, church. Perhaps that will shape the way we see our retirements and what we do in our years of retirement. All right? Not just to enjoy, I guess, you know, life and just relax and rest from work, but maybe give time and flexibility to serve God even more, right? Perhaps being involved in missions, who knows, right? For some employers, that mindset, the old story again, that I am more important than my employee. You know, I am, uh, you know, a, a higher important person than he or she. The gospel changes how we view people, as we said today. <laughs> Our employee does not make them less important in God's eyes. If that person is a child of God, is saved, then they are a beloved brother and sister in Christ. And they are important to God and they should be important to me. Praise God. Lastly, for employers, you know, 
What if, you know, we have that mindset, you know, they're too, you know, hired for my worth to, 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 you know, benefit the company and me and enhance me. I have a right to make my employees stay late. I know I talk with some cucumbers, you know, right now because of what's happening in COVID and, and, and the layoffs and whatnot, some uh, members are working jobs in their own company uh, doing two, three positions than, than it was before. They're filling two, three roles in their even job place. Because of what's happening, the employers are thinking that's okay. Working late hours, extra hours, whenever they choose. If they don't like it, they say, hey, you can go find another job, right? Go choose and get another job. The gospel reminds us we're made in God's image. If we're going to reflect God's goodness and his justice in our lives, we need to treat our employees fairly and just as well, church. The gospel changes so much, you see. It changes the way we approach and see work. The question is, which story are we living in? Which story are we working under today? Today's passage shows us Philemon, though he was a Christian, and Paul says that, he was living in the wrong story, right? Though he's saved, he knows Jesus Christ, and you do. You know Jesus. But some are still living in the wrong story. A story that doesn't see the bigger picture of what God's doing in the world, his work that he's called you to do, right? He says, live in the right story, the gospel story. Onesimus before, right, the gospel, he was living, if you want to say, the wrong story, right? Onesimus was living actually the wrong story. He was a useless servant. He resented his position, his master, and he, he fled. He ran away because of that. The gospel changes both stories. Both views are changed. Okay? <laughs> if you look with me here, the gospel doesn't just change Onesimus here. right? It's not just Onesimus whose life is now changed. He's now useful and, and Paul's heart. Look with me again here. In verse 14, uh, Paul's saying, I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord, okay? I want, I'm not trying to force you to do this. Look with me, verse 15, for this perhaps is why Onesimus, he was parted from you for a while. Why? That you might have him back forever, you see? God's sovereign. He knows what he's doing. And he's not just trying to change Onesimus here. I want to change you as well, Philemon. I want to change you as well. And now receiving Onesimus back, may it be forever, no longer as a bondservant, but as a beloved brother in Christ, right? Both in the flesh and the Lord. Will you consider me your partner, Paul says? Will you receive him as you receive me. I will repay it, Paul says, as he concludes. If you want to look with me in verse 19. I, Paul, write this. I will repay it, he says. If any debt Onesimus owes to say nothing of your owing to me or self, I will repay it. He's reminding Philemon of the debt. The debt that you and I could never repay on our own. He's saying, Philemon, remember that you also had a debt and you owed it to God and you can never repay that back. Jesus Christ repaid that debt for you. 
Jesus Christ died and he sacrificed his life and paid that price for you on that cross. No debt will ever match or mirror the debt that Christ paid for you on that cross. As one who's received that debt, will you now also do the same for others? (laughs) Church, as I invite the worship team up as we kind of put this to a close, this gospel story, (laughs) we discover and we remember what Jesus has done for you and I. He did something you and I can never do. No matter what work, however hard we worked, he paid something that you and I can never pay. And he's given us what we can never earn. He's closed us with his righteousness. The gospel is so valuable. The story is so precious. It's a beautiful story. Will that change your life, Philemon? Will that change how you live and how you work, how you view others? Church, what story are you living in today? I'm not asking you, do you know Jesus? I'm assuming that most of you do. I'm assuming that most of you have grown up in the church or or at least you have come to church and you have met Jesus Christ here. Praise God for that. But some of us are still living in the old story. We have the gospel story that changes everything in our life, but yet we are still choosing to live in the old story. Which story are we living under? Let's go into prayer as we reflect upon this truth. Are you thinking about your work through the lens the gospel through the gospel is a story in which you find yourself would it be a gospel shaped story that shapes everything you do how you think the choices you make the things you decide to buy your the things you 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 do to care for your staff the things we value and prize most likely would it be the gospel that gives you significance and value in everything you do. Let's go to him in prayer, church. Thanks for listening to the QPEM podcast. For more information on our church, please visit our website at www.qpem.org. That's Q-P-E-M dot org.